It started with one Instagram post. Carmelo Anthony delivered a forceful challenge to his fellow athletes to demand change. I was just looking at that picture as I started typing and typing it, and I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm gonna call out all my fellow athletes to do something. We cannot ignore the realities of the current state of America. The events of the past week have put a spotlight on the injustice, distrust, and anger that plagued so many of us. The ESPYs called, and I said the only way I'll come is if you'll let us open it up. It's time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what are we doing to create change? We all have to do better. Thank you. And you are tuning in to Why Not Sports with the homie D. Murph. So why not? Why not? Why not sports? It impacts your everyday life. Why not sports? It's more than on and off the court. Why not sports? Hey. Why not sports? Yeah. Why not sports? It impacts your everyday life. Why not sports? It's more than on and off the court. Why not sports? Hey. Why not sports? D Murph. You a fool for this one. <laughs> yeah. World. I know, I know y'all like Murph. We we miss you. We miss you. Where have you been? What you been up to? But this is not the episode. But I will tell you, I have been working, doing my thing behind the scenes. World, when I tell you, it's always a good thing to be a part of something or in collaboration with someone that is a part of something that you do not hit on a lot as far as your brand, but talk a lot of these talks behind the scenes world when i tell you we have educator from loyola marymount professor associate professor <laughs> sports scholar author of this dope book the black athlete revolt all about the sports justice justice movement world help me welcome dr sean m anderson to why not sports hey thanks for having me on here yes sir yes sir thank you thank you thank you and oh yeah um, I gotta be fair. Anybody that's involved with sports, did you play sports? What was your first love? Like, what did what did what did this thing call sports in your life? How did it come about? You know, I uh, played pee football, uh, little league football all my life. Uh, grew up in Arkansas, so you know, down south, uh, football is king, right? Yeah. Um, but I also during the off season would sometimes play baseball, which I actually okay. grew a big love for, but uh, played football most of my life and had the inevitable knee injury in high yeah. school that kind of derailed the pro dreams, but I think things worked out pretty good. Oh yeah, and talking about worked out, like you've been featured, I didn't even talk about that, yeah. like whether it's TV shows, newspaper articles come on hey dr sean let's talk about that let's talk about that exposure like like let's talk about that then we'll talk about how you became an author and the black athlete revolt yeah so you know like i said again it was the the injury that kind of derailed my whole dreams of wanting to be a pro athlete then my next thought was well i'm gonna go and be the next Stuart scott you know big time sports reporter and all that so I went to um, my undergrad 
um, the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff, proud HBCU graduate. Yes, sir. Um, and then I went to work in the television industry for a little bit, and um, you know, did some sports producing stuff like that for a local TV station in Arkansas. But then I saw I began to kind of become in love with the research that I was doing with the producing. Yes, sir. and so went to pursue a master's degree, and it was there where a couple of the professors were like, hey, you have a really good eye for research. You know, why have you ever thought about trying to create your own knowledge, you know, about sports? So not only just look at sports from like this fandom perspective, but like, yeah. <laughs> can you see it from a society perspective? Like yeah. in the sense of how do we use sport to talk about all the other things that Muhammad Ali or Malcolm X or, uh, Bill Russell, all those leaders back in the day, yes sir, talked about. And so I thought about it for a little bit, and I didn't think I was going to go and pursue a doctor, honestly. So I worked for a few years, and then um, <laughs> how life happens, right? Yes, sir. Uh, we hit a recession at, at some point. I lost my job, I had to go back and live with my mom's. And then that thought about pursuing a doctor came back up again. So I did that. And that's where the big ideas of, oh man, I, I can research topics. I can I can consult with sport organizations using my research. Um, and I can push this, this narrative forward of how we can see sport as this, as this thing to talk about race and to talk about uh, diversity in the workplace, community development, all this stuff. And so ended up in 2016 graduating from West Virginia University with my PhD <laughs> and with congratulations that, appreciate that appreciate that and I was able to actually work with Major League Baseball on my big dissertation project yes sir because uh, they were trying to you know basically bring more black kids into the game and they didn't know what they were doing so they asked me and we still that. need that still need <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yes. and um so I worked on that and so that beget other projects and and uh, other research platforms that I was able to do. And soon after, you know, um, other sport leagues started to call, and um, you know, college teams, uh, sports youth programs, uh, television and, and radio interviews, and podcast interviews, you know, began to come around. And now to this point, uh, <laughs> you actually are my seventh podcast for this month come on <laughs> keep working, so, keep working. And, 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 I, and i love doing it i love talking about it and you know how it is when, when you know you may be tired of looking for work or, or tired of trying to get something off the ground and you're just frustrated but am i tired of sure but i'm tired and i feel good at the end of the yes, day sir. because it's something that i'm really passionate about and really working on so that's how we got to this point man I, I, world did you hear this like from humble beginnings just doing what they love but also doc what I, I think is important is when you said people planted that seed yeah in you so when you had that moment of quiet time it was like maybe i should get my doctorate so i can yeah. you know do something more of an independent route yeah. or to the standpoint when you said people told me I was good in research it's like you do it because that's part of your job or something that you need to you know excel but when people say no what you're doing is really different if you really think about it and yeah. like the light bulb went on and then ding 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 
the black athlete revolt, the sports justice movement in the age of black lives matter with the man on the other end, Dr. Sean M. Anderson here on one. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. You, you, the book writing is an isolating process. Um, sacrifice and time, but as I look at hindsight, during that time where I was living with my mom, it was for almost a year, and trying to figure out what's next, and people were pouring into me, you know, I, I credit that time uh, around a decade ago to helping me set this path that I'm that I'm on today. And so, you know, like I say, writing a book is it's 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 a task you know it's it's isolated you have to do a lot of research before you even like put the pen to pad right facts and what helped me was again thinking back years ago when i was trying to figure out my way i was like well i've done this before yeah i could do it again but now i'm in a position to enlighten people you know um try to change the world from my perspective yeah. And, uh, you know, hoping that this book kind of brings that that sort of energy to the table. Now, now, Doc, <clears throat> excuse me, world, you know, again, I, I got some more details to share on another show, but I have the great man on the other end, Dr. Sean Anderson. You titled yeah. the book The Black Athlete Revolt. Yeah. What was it that sparked? Was it the Kaepernick? situation like what was it for you to be like you know what i i know i'm you know dope and versatile with my topics but this particular subject yeah. or, or matter I, I have to put an emphasis on it. you know it's 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 a couple of things um okay. i i recognizing that we're coming up on the 10-year anniversary that the hashtag black lives matter made its appearance right um i'm taking a look at how the power of social media is changing the landscape of how we listen to things. So, so let's take yes, it to when President Trump was in office. This guy was using Twitter probably, you know, for the first time over any other president of that magnitude. Yeah. And his constituents were buying into all of that, right? Yeah. And likewise, on the flip side, you know, athletes are recognizing their power of social media as well, right? And then lastly, I, I looked at sort of this 2020 revitalization of, of athlete activism where it was not just athletes, it was high profile athletes like Kaepernick, like LeBron James, like Renee Montgomery, um, who used their massive appeal, you know, yes. their, their, their social media presence, yes. their, their, their monetary platform to speak out on the issues that we face and other people from marginalized backgrounds face. And it, it sparked this, this whole thing of, you know, we knew that in the civil rights era, that was a, a revolt by the athletes, you know? And so in this sense, this is sort of the second coming. There you go. Of what we saw during the civil rights era. Is it, is it as fervent? Is it as deep? Probably not, because we have seen some progress relative to not seeing a lot of I guess overt racism like we saw back then, yes, but sir. we still know that those things exist, but we have new ways to talk about it and new ways to try to battle it. And so 
the revolt means not only are we engaging in protests, but we're now shifting to conversations on policy reform and change. Mm. And so that's where the black athlete revolt and the concept of the sport justice movement kind of triggered in my head. There it is. Sports, for my simplified people, sports and politics, okay? How do yeah. they make sense? How do they, I don't even want to say this, but how do they align? <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is it's interesting because people think that, oh, sport and politics was kind of born out of the civil rights era, but, but it was well before that time. You know, when we think about Reconstruction, so a few years after the Civil War, uh, the Kentucky Derby was created. And so the people who actually rode the horses were the black men who tended to them in the stables, you know? And you're talking about maybe for the next 20 years after the Kentucky Derby was created, you saw a plethora of black athletes who were making what is the equivalent of a million dollars today. Yeah. But when they became popular, you know, when they became famous, they were shut down. The Jim Crow era came in, swooped them out of the game, and they were virtually non-existent at that point. And so we want to talk about, well, black people talk too much about, you know, sport and politics, but that was the entrance there. They didn't have anything to do with it. They were flourishing. They were trying to provide for their families. Right. But here we go. And so then... You know, you trickle it on down to the Jackie Robinson era, to the civil rights, and and then when the dormancy came of uh, athlete activism in the eighties and nineties, you know that a lot of money was involved. Nobody wanted to lose their jobs. Yeah. And so, again, these athletes of today are looking at that time in the past and saying, "Okay, well, I have the platform, I have the money." We are in a society now where you cannot shut down anybody for talking about freedoms. Let's use that. Yes, let's use this this platform now to make it work. And so, sport and politics has always been here. It, it won't go away <laughs> uh, uh, as long as we have these issues. Um, and, and the thing is to say, nobody wants to you know, live in a society where you have to deal with this stuff. I mean, right. who's sitting here to say that that, that, that that black people want to talk about this all the time? They don't. You just want to live your life, support your family. But if you have these problems out here, you got to deal with them. And, you know, as long as that's there, we're going to see this matrimony, whether people like it yes, or not. Sir. Yes, sir. Now I, now, I have that one listener like Murph. That's why we love you. We, we rock with you. When Dr. Sean brought up the, conduct, the Kentucky Derby, yeah. they didn't even put two and two. They didn't even know the history of it in that small you know, time frame, which you just brought up as far as after the war. Boom. The people that was riding the horses. Anyway, that, look, look it up. Do some more research. Dr. Sean spitting out some history facts. Yeah. You know, why not sports? Now, two athletes. We was going to talk about, but in more depth, is like, why not talk about it here on Why Not Sports? Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I got to get your take on that first. Cool, Kyrie Irving. You know, it's 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 interesting. Uh, Prior to what we've seen now, uh, with people calling him anti-Semitic, you know, um, he was 
and it's funny because it makes me think about this statement that Charles Barkley said uh, uh, like a couple of years back. So Kyrie Irving and a few others, you know, were talking about how the game is taxing mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you not only just with practice and, and trying to win a championship, you're dealing with all these fans who are calling you whatever they want to call you, and you just have to take it. And so it tripped me out because Charles Barkley was like, wait, you're getting paid $25 million to play, in his words, a silly game of basketball. Right. All of that comes with the territory. Like, I, I, I see where he's going with that statement, but at the end of the day, once you put that basketball down, you got to go home to your family. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You got to go rest. You got to recover. You know what I'm saying? A superstar athlete may want to go home and binge watch an episode of Criminal Minds just like any of us. So you're not robots, you're human. So the thing is, over the last few years, Kyrie Irving has kind of been taking a step back to kind of explore himself on a religious perspective, on um, I remember when he went to my home state of Little Rock, I'm a home state of Arkansas to go see Little Rock Central to kind of gain an understanding of of things there. You know, he's been donating funds, but he was kind of like the highlight either very little of yeah. the monetary donations and the time yeah. his platform that he do use yeah. to you know shine light or support. Yeah, and see that's the thing, but you know. Here's here's the here's the issue. <clears throat> you know, the argument is that well, Kyrie didn't say anything anti-Semitic. He just shared something that people are saying are anti-Semitic. And okay, if it offended some people, okay, cool. But here's my thing: I don't think he was not willing to sit down and talk about okay, if he if he made a mistake or whatever, I can do that. And he can apologize and he can move on. But I think the media kept trying to make it, you know, push a point yep. uh, about something that he had already said. I don't have an issue with anybody. You know, I, I'm here to um, be a light for my people, you know, whatever the case may be. Now, that's not to sit here and say that he or others won't say anything won't, or, or do things that, that may be mistakes, you know. We human. But the issue now becomes, you know, where do we push the line with Kyrie and others to where we can see a you know equality in our critique? Because many people were saying something that was right. Okay, if you're gonna get on him about sharing this thing then why not get on the platform who owns the rights to it at this moment yep and so that right. <laughs> that, exactly and you know but you know people are still gonna go if you want to get your late christmas gifts go to amazon prime you go order that joint it's gonna be in your door the next day facts you know i i, I now it okay my whole thing is Okay, if somebody says something that's wrong, okay, call them out for it. But don't be segregated in your call out. Mm-hmm. That's all I got to say about that. And would I still support Kyrie in, in the things that he's trying to do for the community? Absolutely. 
I, I don't know him personally, of course. Right. Um, but I, I think he is really trying his best to understand who he is. You know, he's continuing to do that and, you know, be there for the betterment of, of his people. Right. That's why I see it. And it's, it's always a good point where people, like you said, regardless of their uh, financial status, yeah. social status, status in life, we're all evolving yeah. daily. And Absolutely. when someone in this case, like a Kyrie, is like, yo, I'm still learning who I am. I'm telling y'all that. Yeah. But because I did something that wasn't normal to y'all or or, or, or or something that's caused a quote unquote controversy. Now I'm wrong. I'm still figuring this thing out called life. Yeah. Yeah, because you got several, yeah. You got several people in your ear. You know, you have your agent, you got your family, you got fans, you got, you know, and yes, is he getting paid X amount of millions of years? Sure. But, you know, again, that's why I'm a really strong advocate for a mental health in sports now, um, because, you know, it's, it's so many things that athletes have to deal with. And like I say, they're not robots. They're humans at the end of the day. And, you know, who wants to, okay, sure, you get paid $25 million a year, or whatever the number may be, but who wants to walk through the corridor and people are yelling at you, calling you all out of your name and you can't do anything right. about it? Consistently. Consistently. You know, you got fans who, who are calling you all out of your name, who's sitting on the front court, probably drunk, <laughs> or God knows what, but you have to concentrate on trying to win this game, but you're hearing this. You're, you're, you're being pulled in the direction of trying to uh, satisfy your owner and your coach in winning the game, but you're also being degraded right here in this same situation. You know, as any person that's isolating and that, that's tough, and then when you see these athletes say, man, I'm gonna take, I'm checking out, I'm taking the day off, or I'm gonna retire after five years. Come on. It makes sense. Loud and clear. Being a black yeah. man, period. Exactly. If I can take yeah. some time off to retire early, <laughs> <laughs> man, I'll tell you. I mean, because even in this game right now of academia, you know, being a professor, I'm the only black person. Come on, I, you know I was going to hit on that, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> LMU, and, baby. Yeah, and and you know, it's it's just it's it's an interesting feeling going to a, a predominantly white space. You know, um, knowing that you're intelligent, but you know, society says, "No, nah, you, you know, you, you got on because of uh, because of DEI right now, something like that." You don't, you don't uh, really have a chop. I take it though. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but but they gotta meet their quota. They gotta I've meet their quota. Time. Hey, I'm glad I was selected to meet y'all quota because I'm adding exactly. it to my resume. And again, world, Dr. Sean has been featured in PBS. ESPN Black Enterprise. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Continue. I'm yeah. just no. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Point <laughs> it out, there, brother. I'm locked in now. Yeah, you know, it's, and it, I, I I tell people all the time, you know, it's it's when you have to wake up and think about every single situation that you could possibly have to deal with throughout the day, because for me, you know, living in LA, um, and growing up in the South, the South is different. From of course the, the people out here, LA is a great place to um, 
live and, and grow and, and hustle and build something. Um, but in many cases, that's the only thing that people are on. Like, like, how can I get ahead? Right. How can I win? You know, and to be in, in that situation, you know, and then to wake up and say, I'm about, I had to drive an hour to work. I don't want to get pulled over or I don't want to get to work and somebody calls me out because they think I'm not this enough or that enough. Right. You know, it's, it's a lot. And that's just in my role. You know, I can't speak for anybody else's role who has to go to any other type of job. So to be on the national stage, like a Kyrie Irving, like others, where you're constantly bombarded with the media, but particularly New York media, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 I'm sure it's a lot. And I'm sure that's why he and others will go to some country where they can't even probably receive internet access just to get away from yep. it. You know? Right, right. That's how it is. Well, you got that one bad cop would say, well, I'm playing bad cop. Well, Merv, Dr. Sean, during the pandemic, COVID time, he like, yo, I'm not getting the COVID shot. It is what it is. Yeah. You know, it's play part time compared to normal. Like who does that? So it's like, again, just me playing bad cop for those few naysayers that's out there. So he put this on himself. I have no. Yeah. You know, here's the thing. So, you know, all of us are getting sick during this time. You know, COVID was, was, was something a bit, particularly uh, in countries outside of the U.S. when it is beginnings. And, you know, there's a history behind that, too. So you understand why a lot of black folk didn't want to get the vaccine or the boosters because of the Tuskegee experiments. Come on. That happened years ago. Um, you know, you're talking about people getting it, the black men getting injected with syphilis for mm-hmm. over 40 years, <laughs> you know, and just being told that this is just to try to, you know, a placebo, it's nothing, but unknowingly, but just to receive an apology, you know, some years later during the Clinton era of presidency, you know, if you're talking about you're the people who were affected by this, then I absolutely will question what this government is putting out there. So you can't blame people for that. And, you know, it, it, I believe what they were trying to do in that particular, you know, critique against him and other athletes who didn't want to take it was that, see, this is why you also stick to sports. You don't use your brain. You see what's happening out here. You need to, (laughs) you know, and, and, and that's the thing. You know, we are at a point where people are questioning things now. The government hasn't been, you know, that good in a lot of things. You know, let's take it back to the 2008 recession, Occupy Wall Street. You know, people were losing homes, <clears throat> jobs for almost a decade. And so, but, you know, we're bailing out billion dollar companies saying that they're too big to fail. And so, Again, understandably so, I can't knock people who question the legitimacy of what the government is trying to offer, particularly when it comes to black people. And so, again, I, I 
am not gonna be one of those people that's quick to throw Kyrie Irving away. Because as you mentioned earlier, no one is talking about what he has done yes. in these communities. Yeah. And again, it's gonna be a learning curve because he's trying to figure it out. He, again, he's trying to figure himself out. All these athletes mm-hmm. trying to figure themselves out. Yeah. They're trying to see what cause is right. And the reason why they're taking their time is because they want to do it right. They don't want to just throw something on the wall and just see what right. sticks. We want to put a plan together where these things can grow in consecutive years. And so, again, it's, it's still some muddy waters, you know, but I, I have faith in a lot of these athletes who are trying to do some good things. And it's like I have faith in you, brother, as the <laughs> only brother in your position at LMU. Professor. That's big time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, pursuing a doctorate is is not an easy task because you're man. Academia, it's all about scrutiny. So you write a research paper, you write a book chapter, you write a book, and before that stuff even comes out to the public, it goes through several rounds of edits. Uh, mm-hmm. It goes to reviewers. So so when we turn in a research paper, for example. It's basically a 25-page paper about some academic jargon and stuff that, you know, other people in academia read pretty much only, and you try to translate that to the public once that's done. And so you usually have three people to review that paper, Mm. and the first reviewer is like, man, this is a fantastic topic, great stuff. But we have a running joke in academia where we say reviewer two is the one that always hates on us. <laughs> reviewer two is like, oh man, this is hot garbage. What made you think of this topic is yeah. written poorly. You need to go back and do X, Y, and Z. And so academia is ego driven. It's, it's again, um, about that uh, scrutiny that you receive all the time. You, you receive about five or six rejections before you get that one yes for a paper. For this book in particular, I received about seven rejections from book publishers, you know, from the perspective wow. of, oh, this is too controversial. Uh, I don't know, this is a great topic, but I don't know how to sell this. But there was one that said, hey, this is something that's good, let's do it. And, you know, here we are. And so I tell people, you know, Academia may seem cushy to some folks because you only teach maybe once or twice a week, but you got so much other work you got to do to prove yourself in this place that that you know it's it's not for the week. But but yeah, I'm here for it. I'm uh, you know I believe I'm flourishing in it and and I'm making it work. Believe, Doctor Sean, we I just about five minutes ago said what you've been featured on. You said which who you worked with, Major League Baseball. Yeah. Other sports, yeah. big sport companies. Yeah. I think you've planted your your your, your stamp, yeah, and, and going the right direction, sir. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I, yes, I think I'm flowing. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here being honest. Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I'm never the type of person that will put myself down. If I say, "Hey, I think I'm pretty good at something," I'm not saying that to joke. I, I, I put in the time. It's, I've yes, been sir. in this game twelve years. The work is there. There it is. And I want to just let the listeners know from your website, SeanMarkAnderson.com, just giving them just a couple of lines on uh, the Black Athlete Revolt. It is the first book to take a historical and contemporary look at how black athletes have used their influence to move beyond protest and create substantial change for black 
Americans, spanning from the civil rights movement to today. The book reveals the ever-evolving important role of black athlete activism. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. It's pushing. It's pushing. I'm on on top of it, brother. I'm on top (laughs) of it. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because... I was able to talk to a few people um, in this book in one of the chapters. Um, we were able to focus on um, some well-known uh, social justice organizations uh, that have teamed with sports leagues and talk to them about what they've been doing, what they've been seeing. I've been able to talk to athletes, other professors, lawyers, all of these people who are pushing the narrative on how and why using sport is important in this in this time. It's 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 interesting that you know I, I do go over the history, I, I go over what's going on today. But there was a chapter where I actually took the time to talk to several individuals who are either particularly in sport or are working with other sport organizations. So for example, I, I talked to uh, the president of the Vera Institute of Justice um, out of New York, and they have worked with the NFL and and the NBA extensively on right. conversations about um, policy reform in um, the prison system um, to equality in the workspace. And you know, and then I also was able to talk to the captain of the women's soccer team at USC. Um, And her and a few other athletes on that campus have started their own Black Lives Matter coalition um, that's spreading across major college campuses uh, across the United States. And, you know, it was a conversation on what have you been doing? You know, what are you seeing? Um, What has been some of the challenges you faced? And where do you see the sport justice movement drawing? And, you know, so for many of them, it's it's talking about, yeah, we have the athletes who are really getting involved with pushing for policy reform, but now we need the leagues, the universities, um, the other organizations, nonprofits or otherwise that are teaming up with these uh, sport teams to really put down some tangible evidence as to what will help us in our society. You know, it's one thing that, okay, well, for example, Colin Kaepernick, after he took the knee, it only took the NFL three years or so to say, you know what, <laughs> he got it wrong. We should have listened. <laughs> but this right. is after, after Kaepernick had already gotten the Nike commercials and, and the whole world essentially got involved. Right. And then they put out this whole Inspire Change initiative and put almost $100 million towards things. And, and you know, it's still, it, it's cool, you know, but it's still something that these leagues have to really grasp on about, okay, what can we now do to support our players in the things that matter to them? That's still the challenge. That's where we should go. But again, those conversations are starting. And so again, it's 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 sort it's sort of taking a look at uh 
You know how you watch a movie when you're a kid, but then you watch the movie as an adult and you get a different perspective. Oh yeah. Different perspectives. <laughs> exactly. Or something I didn't recognize. I'm like, oh yes. okay, I get it now. Right. And so it's it's sort of that change that we're seeing in how activism is progressing. You know, whereas once it was, yeah, purely the focus of the protest with, with some minor uh, um, talks on, on reform, saying that we need change. But now we are in a system, we're in a society, we're in a movement where you, you, can, you can't ignore it anymore. Right. You know, or you're going to lose to the court of public opinion, and you're going to lose customers, and you're going to lose money, and that's where it all lies in that case, right? So that's what we're saying. And it's interesting, and I, I wasn't going to hit on this, yeah. at least not now, but then you, I remember talking to someone a few days ago about Deion Sanders. Yeah. How you, HBCU grad, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. The exposure, yeah. the funding. <laughs> so now we got Dion. Jackson stayed a few years, very successful, but leave to go to Colorado. Now, yeah. this one person told me, Merck, if you look at it from this perspective, he is bringing more of us to them. Because yeah. when he was with Jackson State or HBCU, yeah. they they took advantage of him ultimately. I'm just yeah. Yeah. to my intention. I'm not, you know, just letting you know. So when you yeah. spoke about just bringing more awareness about our culture, things that we can improve in and with, I'm, I'm maybe not knowing Dion like that. Maybe that's what he's thinking. Maybe yeah. I'm going to bring this part of us to a school that people wouldn't think we would collaborate and see where it goes. Yeah. Just, just want to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. So, you know, here's the thing. Before he even got to, to Jackson State, um, you know, he was making a, a great second career uh, in the media. Yeah. You know, um, but there were rumblings after a while that, that, that said that, yeah, he wanted to get into coaching, you know, in particular college coaching. And there was no secret that if he would have had the opportunity to go to Florida State in the first place, you know, he would be there. That's 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 where I'm sure Prime was born before his time in Florida State. But that's <laughs> where we were able to see Prime being born. You know what I'm saying? And so here's the thing uh, with with the Dion situation and, and the Jackson State thing. And it's, it's, I'm glad you brought it up because I have me and one of my homies have disagreements about this. <laughs> we had it for the longest. Hey, that's what I'm saying. I I, I, I can see both sides of it. He left yeah. too early. He didn't. He could have gave us more. The recruiting class he brought in should have helped. He should have yeah. been there when he graduated. Da 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 right. da da. On the flip side, he did what he's supposed to do within a few years. They weren't paying him enough. He went where the money was at. Exactly. Show me the money. Right. <laughs> I was telling you, I put up a post a while back, and I said, "Okay, look, it's great that he's there." You know, um, he had college game day, you know, come to Jackson State. That's big. Um, but even with him being there, it's going to take a very long time for pretty much all HBCUs to catch up, you know, to the 
financial status of a Nick Saban's Alabama. Yes, sir. Where assistant coaches were probably getting paid more than he was as a head coach at Jackson State. Now, here's the thing. Here are the facts. HBCUs are great. Uh, HBCUs have produced several NFL players. Uh, Walter Payton from Jackson State. Jerry Rice from Mississippi Dallas State. Uh, Mississippi Shannon Dallas Sharp. Shannon Sharp. Uh, Darius Leonard. Right? Yeah. So, there's no question that there is talent and that there are um, people who are being looked at you know, in those arenas. But if you're talking about <laughs> uh, 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 Nick Saban, who is making $60 million a year, and at least, at least three of your players every year within the last five years have gone in the top 10, or at least the first round of the NFL draft, then where do you see these black kids? Because we know this sport, basketball, predominantly black players, that, you know, where do you think that they will go? Now, I think what may have happened here with the DL situation is that many people may have been sold on the fact that he can change the, the, the way HBCUs are by himself. That's a lot and of pressure know, for one person. That's a lot of pressure. And, I'm, and, and here's, the, here's the end. Uh, playing the advocate, you know, like you were just mentioning. Yeah, bad cop. He may have sold that too. You know? Not, not, not to sit here and say that he, he was trying to change the world, but his enthusiasm, we know Prime, 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 big time. Yes, sir. He may have sold it. And if there's anything to knock against that, then yeah, maybe so. But... It's not like he did not take a reduction in salary for his for years for years for his <laughs> uh, assistant coaches to to get better facilities and you know to push that and he did his job in three years and he's deciding to move on now there is extreme pride in HBCUs and people want to see them grow because again, HBCUs are important. We needed that when the white schools wouldn't let us in. But now I look at it as, and this is where one of my homies had to argue, man, I don't like what Dion Sanders did. You know, he hired all these NFL coaches or tried to hire these NFL coaches to be his assistant coaches. I'm like, well, Nick Saban does that every year. <laughs> <laughs> you bing, know, bing, bing, bing. he does that every year and his uh, offensive coordinator is probably making a million dollars a year you know and so I'm not going to knock Dion for leaving because his ultimate goal is to win and as we can see support his, his coaches and his family so I can't knock him for that if you want to knock him because he, he promised to take the time to build an HBCU, then okay, yeah, I can't I can't blame you for that. But I, I can't get mad at the opportunity because there's players that are going to come with them. A lot of assistant coaches, even one of the head coaches in the SWAT is coming on to be an assistant. Probably going to make a lot more than what he was making there to support his family. At the end of the day, 
You know it. Man, if you if you didn't have anything, but you was given an opportunity to help you and feed your kids or feed your your, your mom or your dad, you know. Hey y'all, I catch y'all in a year too. Exactly. <laughs> and then and here's the thing. The other argument is that we also get mad when we are qualified to be a coach at a Colorado or Michigan, but we don't get the opportunities. Right. But, but you know, he proved himself. He got the opportunity. Let's celebrate him for that. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, there's, there's some people who will probably be like, oh, I hope for his destruction <laughs> at this institution. That's real. But I don't know. I, 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 I think... He's proven himself as a coach. He's 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 done great things. And he's gonna continue to do great things. That's the way I see it. Yes, sir. No, I appreciate that. Well, we got Dr. Sean, Mark Anderson here on Why Not Sports giving us some, some gems, talking about the book, The Black Athlete Revolt. Now, Dr. Sean, I usually don't ask uh-huh. my guests too much. Okay. But I know you have a book. Yeah. Projected next year. Yeah. We got to get you back on and talk more about that. I am looking at the time. Okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. My birthday is, uh, uh, the book comes out February 8th. My birthday is on February 12th. So what a great birthday. Come on, look at the happy birthday to you. Appreciate when it that. comes out to the next book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? So yeah. I'm, I'm so I was ready for you, brother. I was ready. I was locked and loaded. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. It's, it's going to be uh, a busy first quarter of the year. That's beautiful. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. I want to definitely thank Nanda and, and, and the group yeah. who reached out to me to be able to connect with you, brother. I don't yeah. take this opportunity lightly. No, I appreciate and, you. And um, if you can just let the world know, as far as the book, where they can find the book and how they can reach and just support you on uh, social media. Yeah. So the book is available for pre order uh, anywhere books are sold, whether that's Amazon. Uh, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million, you can find it online, any indie bookstore. Um, also, I have my website, um, www.seanmarkanderson.com. Um, you can purchase the book there. Um, you can also look up uh, what I've been doing. I've been doing a lot of work, so you can check me out there. Hey, we're busy. Busy, busy, busy. And he took time out of his schedule to connect with yours truly. And I know world that's listening like Murph, we love you. We need more of this consistently. World, I got some good news on why I haven't consistently been dropping, but I consistently been working behind the scenes with dope, great, dope and great guests such as Dr. Sean Anderson and more individuals to come as we, like he said, finish off uh, this year, 2022, going into 2023. Um but yeah, for those first-time listeners, this is Why Not Sports, where we talk about the good, bad, and the ugly of sports and how it impacts your everyday life. What better else to have, again, this dope guest talking about sports and politics, Dr. Sean Anderson, The Black Athlete Revolt, has a book coming out. First, you can pre-order this one. Then it's another book coming out again. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk about that. It's easy. <laughs> this is going to be some good stuff. This is going to hold the sport organizations accountable. Oh, yeah. I, I, that. I'm just asking. I, don't, I, I, I try not to ask my guests, especially when you're 
dope at what you do as an educator, entrepreneur, have your own LLC. I didn't even talk about that. That's something else. We're going to talk about that, though. So, world, thank you for tuning in, rocking with me. Again, I love y'all. Y'all know I do. It's always good to be back on the mic and just do what we do. And uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at It's DMurph. You can find uh, Why Not Sports underscore uh, Why Not Sports on Instagram at Why Not Sports underscore. Also, similar to Dr. Sean Anderson, I have a website as well, www.dmurphspeaks.com. Hey, y'all, we love y'all. Continue to be safe. And sometimes just be open. Just be open. You never know where your hard work can take you or lead you. I'm a prime example. Clearly, Dr. Doctor, again, Sean Anderson, is uh, he's a doctor. So that shows you that. He, I'm sure he didn't grow up. Yeah, I'm going to be a doctor. It, no it way. just happened with hard work, perseverance, a lot of sacrifice. I, again, we're, I'm just here to inspire and encourage from one brother to another brother to the masses. This is what we do. But until next time, y'all, we love y'all. Keep grinding. Keep the faith. Keep on the